Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. Beginning a new series on prayer, and it's just called Why Pray? And, and one of my all-time favorite stories about prayer uh, comes from Tony Campolo. And I've read this one before, but it's, it's worth repeating. <clears throat> so he writes this, Several years ago, I was invited to speak at a small Pentecostal college near Eastern College where I teach. I love going to this little school because the people there seem to be so in touch with the power of the Holy Spirit. Before the chapel service, several of the faculty members took me into a side room to pray with me. I got down on my knees, and the six of them put their hands on my head and prayed for me, asking the Holy Spirit to fill me up and use me effectively as I spoke to the students. Now, Pentecostals seem to pray longer and with more dynamism than, I, than we Baptists do. And these men prayed long. And the longer they prayed, the more they leaned on my head. And they prayed on and on and leaned harder and harder. One of the faculty members prayed at length about a particular man named Charlie Stoltzfitz. And that kind of ticked me off, and I thought to myself, if you're going to lean on my head, the least you can do is pray for me. And he prayed on and on for this guy who was about to abandon his wife and three children. I can still hear him calling out, Lord, Lord, don't let that man leave his wife and children. Send an angel to that man to break his, bring, his fa- bring him back to his family. Don't let that family be destroyed. You know who I'm talking about, Lord. You know who I'm talking about. Charlie Stoltzfus. He lives down the road about a mile on the right-hand side in a silver house trailer. And I thought to myself with some degree of exasperation, God knows where he lives. And what do you think God is doing sitting up there in heaven saying, give me that address again? (laughs) Following the chapel talk, I got in my car and headed home. I was getting onto Pennsylvania Turnpike when I saw a young man hitchhiking on the side of the road. I picked him up. Now, I know you're not supposed to, but I'm a Baptist preacher. Whenever I can get someone locked into where I can preach to him, I do it. As we pulled back onto the highway, I introduced myself and I said, hi, my name's Tony Campolo. What's your name? He said, my name is Charlie Stolzfus. I didn't say a word. I drove down the turnpike, got off at the next exit, turned around and headed back. And when I did that, he looked at me and said, hey, mister, where are you taking me? He said, I'm taking you home. He said, why? I said, because you just left your wife and children, right? He said, right, right. (laughs) He leaned against the passenger door the rest of the way, staring at me. I drove off the the turnpike onto the side road straight to his silver house trailer when i pulled up the drive he looked at me with astonishment and said how did you know where i lived i said god told me (laughs) i told charlie you get in that house trailer because i want to talk to you and i want to talk to your wife he ran into that mobile home ahead of me and i don't know what he said to his wife but when i got to the house trailer her eyes were as big as saucers i sat them down and i said i'm gonna talk and you're gonna listen Man, did they listen. During the next hour, I led both of them into a personal relationship with Jesus. And today, that guy is a Pentecostal preacher down south. I I just love that story. Um, And it's just an incredible story. And and I guess this morning, as we're kind of beginning the series, I want to ask you, do you believe stuff like that can happen? I mean, not just theoretically, but that you could possibly experience something like that? See, we're starting this whole series on prayer, and I think sometimes prayer can be kind of confusing because, um, you know, we're not really sure maybe sometimes how to do it or, or, or we just feel awkward at it or we're not sure if we're saying the right words, if we're doing it the right way, and, 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 and sometimes we just, we don't pray 
And then we'd feel guilty about that. And so we go back to prayer, but truthfully, if we were honest about it, sometimes it feels more like a chore and a duty than a joy. You know, kind of like eating your vegetables, you know? You eat them because you know they're good for you. They're not your favorite part of the meal, but you know that they're good for you. Except Brussels sprouts, they're good for nothing. But you do it because you know it's good for you. And I think sometimes that's the way we feel about prayer. And maybe that describes you this morning. Maybe you're here and you don't pray as much as you know you should. And you're feeling kind of guilty about that. Maybe you're you're just not sure what this whole prayer stuff is all about. And altogether, you're just not really sure what it looks like and how you should be doing it. And if that describes you at all this morning, I'm glad you're here. Because what we're going to be talking about is exactly what you need to hear. And we're going to center in on a prayer that's found in Ephesians chapter 3. It's an incredible prayer. Um, It's a prayer of the Apostle Paul for this church in Ephesus. And, And it's actually kind of the whole first half of the book the whole first half of this letter is a prayer. And, and he starts in chapter 1, he starts his prayer, and then he kind of goes into this big old long theological discussion. And back chapter 3, he gets back to the prayer. So beginning in verse 14, now he says this. So for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. That is quite a prayer. And and I think it's very, very powerful. And and the reason we're going to look at it is because I've 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 preached sermons, I've listened to sermons, I've been in classes, um, I've been to seminars, all talking about prayer. And usually the focus tends to be on the how-tos of prayer. But I want to go back to something far more fundamental. Far more foundational. This is at the heart of why we pray. And and if these two things that we're going to talk about, and they're very, very simple. There's two points in this whole outline today, okay? It's real easy. Take notes. What it really comes down to is what do I believe about God? That's really at the heart of why we pray or we don't pray. And in those two things, it comes down to actually these two things. What we believe about God's love and what we believe about God's power. Because either we picture God as this loving, doting grandfather who cares an awful lot about us, but he just really can't do much on our behalf. Or, or we picture him as this great, omnipotent, powerful God, but he just doesn't care that much about me. And those two things, God's power and God's love, are absolutely essential when it comes to prayer. And so that's the things we're going to look at this morning. Um, Just two easy points. I must believe that God really does love and care about me. I need to believe that. Because more than anything else, prayer is a relationship. It's about relationship. And too often, I think we approach prayer as a transaction. You know, I do my part. If God, you'll do your part. I'll pray, you know, I'll pray and, and use up my faith coins in the slot, and then, then you give me, you know, what comes when I do that. 
And we've reduced it so much to a transaction that it, it becomes impersonal. And, and it's, it's almost like, you know, it's almost like we were doing something on eBay you know, or Craigslist, you know? It's just very impersonal. And, and, and there's a movie came out a number of years ago that just kind of catches that whole idea. It's called Bruce Almighty. And uh, for a very short period of time, Bruce is given the powers of God. And he starts getting prayer requests. Watch this. Welcome to the Revelation Superhighway. We bless, no mess, downloading now. It's good, it's good. This is gonna take a while. One million five hundred twenty-seven thousand five hundred and three prayer requests. kind of pictured God kind of like that impersonal cold just you know send him my prayers and he sends me an answer but when we do that then we reduce prayer to this transaction idea and then our prayers become kind of a bartering or or a bargaining or or dickering with God and maybe you've prayed these kinds of prayers Lord if you'll then I will (laughs) and it's not a transaction prayer is about a relationship and that's the biggest thing you need to know. And, and, and this is how Paul write, prays it. Look at this. He says, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Now, understand, that is a radical concept in Paul's day. To call God Father. No one had ever done that before Jesus. Prayers were never addressing God as Father, Heavenly Father. That was something that was a radical concept that Jesus brought. That even, even the, the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, there was a very similar prayer of, of other um, rabbis that, that started that only. It doesn't say Our Father. It just says, Oh God, how powerful is your name. Jesus brought this concept that God wants personal relationship with us. They want us to understand that God is not this impersonal being, but He's a Father. That this is about a relationship. Now, I know when I say that, that for some of you, that doesn't conjure up positive images. Because maybe you grew up with a father who was overly strict or harsh with you. Or a God that was stingy, a father who was stingy and was very hesitant to give you things. Or maybe just overly demanding of you. Maybe that's when you think of father, that's what you think of. Or even worse, maybe, maybe an abusive father. Or an absentee father. Or a part-time 
Father. And if that's your experience, I just want you to know, God is the Father you were meant to have. (laughs) Not the one you experienced. And everything that you needed from a father is what God brings to us. And our prayers are about relationship. And the thing is, he loves you just as you are. He goes on. He says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have the power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Now, he kind of piles words on top of words on top of words. And, and I see, as he, I just kind of picture him as he's writing this out. It's just like, you know, he just can't get, write it down fast enough as the thoughts come to him. He says, I want you to be rooted and established. I want, you to, I want this to sink in. <laughs> that God loves you. That you would be rooted in that and established. If you've ever planted a tree or, or, or plants, and you, you, kind of, you put it in the ground and you, you, you water it real good. But if, if the roots don't take, the plant doesn't get established, it dies. Paul says, I want, I want you to be rooted in this. I want you to know that this is your source of life. The love of God expressed to you through Jesus Christ. He said, let that just sink in for a little bit. Get a hold of that, because if you don't believe that, if that is not your concept of God, you will not pray very often. You will not think to come to Him, because you're not sure He really cares anyway. He says, be rooted and established. Just let it sink in for a bit. So that you may know together with all the Lord's people, how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, that his love for you is as high as the heavens and the depths of his love which he holds you deep in his heart and the width of his love that arms spread wide on a cross and long enough to carry you into eternity. He says, let that sink in. You have a God who loves you. And he will never, ever lose interest in you. It's not like you're his pet cat, you know. And you're really cute when you were a kitten, you know. But now you've gotten old and you're just a pain, you know. That's what happened in our house. We got, cat, we got a kitten for our children 11 years ago, you know. They've all moved out of the house. I'm stuck with the cat, you know. And believe me, I've lost interest in this cat, okay. God is not like that. He has not lost interest in you. Now there's some implications to that. If he loves you just as you are, that means that you can come to him with complete and total honesty. Not pretending to be something that you are not because he already knows who you are. But that you can come to him completely wide open and know that he already knows that and he loves you. Just as you are. He knows your struggles. He knows your fears. He knows your failures. He knows your joys. He knows your hopes and your dreams. He knows your disappointments. And he even knows your complaints. In fact, if you read through Scripture, there's a couple of times where, where, you know, I read some of the prayers and I just go, I I would never say that. 
You know, Job, Job in the middle of his suffering, praise God, Lord, I cried out to you and you turned your back on me. Or Jeremiah, he says, Lord, you deceived me. You deceived me. And I think to myself, could I pray those kind of prayers? Those are gut level prayers. Those are people who are in the middle of something that is just overwhelming to them. And the only thing they can say is what's really on their heart. But you know, scripture tells us that when we pray those kinds of prayers, even those prayers that we cannot vocalize, that the spirit of God himself intercedes for us with words that we can't even utter. Because he loves you. You can come to him just like you are. And you can come freely, full of faith and trust and openness, without hesitation or fear. Because he's your father. He says, what I want is that you would know this love that surpasses knowledge. (laughs) That's an interesting play on words. That you would know this love that you can't possibly know. (laughs) And the word for know there has to do with experience. Not just know about. It's from getting from your head down into your heart. That you would know, that you would experience this love that is beyond anything you could possibly experience. That you will never come to the end of his love for you. No matter how much you experience it, there's still more. (laughs) He says, I want you to know that. I I want it to sink in. I want it to take root. I want it to be the thing that you stand on. So that you would know and experience this kind of love from your heavenly father. If we don't believe that God loves us in that way, we simply won't pray. Because why should I bother him with my petty little things? He's not all that interested anyway. Paul says, I pray that you would know this. That you would come to the point that you believe that he really does love and care about you. And then the second thing is, that I would believe that God is really able to make the difference in whatever I'm facing. And this one has to do with his power. Then I believe that he can really make a difference. Now, I know every one of us is thinking, well, duh. I mean, he's God. It's obvious. He can do anything he wants. And I think we believe that up here. But as a practical reality, I think we question that. And here's why I think that. How many things do you not pray about? How many things do you not? When it comes, when faced with something, what is your default? When you are faced with a problem or faced with a situation, what is your default? What is the first thing you do? Do you pray or do you act? Do you try to solve the problem? And then when it gets beyond your ability to solve it, then you pray? See, I think at the heart of that is we don't really believe. I mean, we know he's omnipotent, but we don't really believe he's able. And I think there's some reasons for that. I think some of the reasons for that is unanswered prayer. That I've prayed in the past and I haven't gotten the answer. 
or, or delayed answers to our prayers, and we've been praying for something for a long, long time and still don't see the answer. We're going to talk about that next week, this whole thing about unanswered prayer. But I think that's one of the things we get to the point where we say, well, you know, maybe he just doesn't do anything about this kind of stuff. Or I think sometimes we think, and again, this goes to his power, we think, but the, the, the problem is so huge and enormous. What could God do about this? You know, uh, Mark South was with us last week and talking about the problem of, of sex um, tra- trafficking from, from foreign countries, bringing people into this country for the purpose of sex slavery. And, and it's a huge, huge problem in our world. We look about uh, all the trouble that's going on in the Mideast, and it's been going on for centuries. And we see all of these things that are just so huge, and we just think, well, why do we even bother praying about that? Because, you know, that, that's, that's just too big. When was the last time you prayed about those kind of situations? Those big, big situations in our world. And you guys kind of think, well, they're going to do what they're going to do anyway, so God's not really going to make a difference. I think it's one of the reasons we don't pray. I think sometimes it's just we're just unsure that God's going to act. And you know this one because you pray sometimes, Lord, if it be your will. I'm giving God an out. So that if I don't get the answer, God's got an out on this one, okay? God gets a pass. Like we have to protect him. Or, I think a lot of times, we just depend too much on our own self. I can figure this out. Have I told you we have a granddaughter? <laughs> our granddaughter has turned two. Her favorite line these days is, Emma do it. Well, let me do this for you. No, Emma, do it. Emma, do it. Well, no, baby, let me help you here. No, no, Emma, do it. Emma, do it. She can't do it, but Emma, do it. And I think that's sometimes how we come to God. Can do it. (laughs) Can do it. I I got it under control. And I wonder sometimes if God doesn't bring into our lives those things that are totally beyond our control. Just so we learn, can, can't do it. See, I think it's a practical reality so often we don't pray because, yeah, intellectually we believe God, he's all powerful, he's omnipotent, he can do anything. But as a practical reality, we really don't think he will. Paul says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask. Immeasurably more more he is able to do our god is able to do whatever you are facing today god is able and and you read through scripture how god has complete control over nature (laughs) if god wants waters to part he parts them he did it He's got control over nature. He has the ability to provide for you. He did it for 40 years, every day providing manna for these people to the point that they didn't even want it anymore. But he provided water when they needed it. That God has shown his ability over nature. He has shown his ability to provide. In fact, Elijah, the prophet Elijah, he got meals on wheels. Well, actually, it was meals on wings. (laughs) That God actually sent ravens to come feed him every day during a time of a famine. God has the power to do that stuff. 
Not just in the Bible, but in your life. Because remember, that's what Paul says. I pray that you would experience this. That you would know this. That you have a God who loves you and a God who is able. In fact, he is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask. Now, that's a very interesting word because Paul made up a word there. (laughs) It's not a common Greek word. He just took like three, two different prefixes and attached them onto a a, a main root word. And he came up with this new word. And it's kind of like God super beyond all you can possibly think do for you. It's, it's so amazing. He has to make up a word to describe how God is able. <laughs> he is able to do immeasurably more. And then Paul doesn't stop there. He says, not only can he do immeasurably more, but he can do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. Not just that we can ask. I, again, I picture Paul sitting down writing this, and he's, and he's, and he's maybe first draft is, God, can do, God is able for anything you ask. No, 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 that that doesn't really say it. God can do more than you ask. No, no, God can do more than you can ask or or imagine. I want you to, to grab this. I want you to let it sink in that our God is able, able to do all that we ask or imagine immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work in us in you in me the god is at work in your life and in prayer he invites you into partnership with what he is doing in this world And sometimes people say, well, why do we bother to pray? I mean, if God's going to do what God's going to do, and he's all-knowing, and he's all-powerful, he's just going to do what he's going to do anyway, so why should I even bother praying? Because God wants you in on what he's doing. (laughs) That's the short answer to that one. In fact, if you've ever come to something and you've just been so overwhelmed with a concern for somebody that you start praying for him, it's like God is saying, okay, finally you care as much as I do. Now you understand how I feel. Now you're beginning to grasp what I want to see happen. And he invites us into this partnership called prayer that is about a relationship, not a transaction, about a relationship with the God who loves us and is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or even imagine. And in prayer, we partner with him. Philip Yancey has written a wonderful book, simply called Prayer. And he writes this story. He writes, My pastor spent the day of hard labor labor, installing stone steps in his backyard. The individual stones weighed between 100 and 200 pounds, and it took all of Peter's strength and a few tools to maneuver them into place. His five-year-old daughter begged to help, and when he suggested that she just sing to encourage him in his work, she said no. She wanted to help. So carefully, when it would not endanger her, he let her place her hands on the rocks as he pushed and moved them. Peter later admitted that Becky's insistence actually complicated the task. 
He could have built the steps in less time without her, quote, help. But at the end of the day, he not only had new steps, but a daughter bursting with pride and a sense of accomplishment. Me and daddy built steps. She announced at dinner that night, and he would be the first to agree. Does God need us? Does he need our prayers? No. But he invites us into this partnership of what he is doing in the world. And when you come up against a situation that is beyond your control, it's just like he's saying, see, you really do need to rely on me. And when you have concern for someone who is who is hurting and you can't do anything and all you can do is pray. All you can do is pray. God is saying, finally, finally you care as much as I do. See, it really comes down to this. Why do we pray? Because we need to know a God who really, really loves us and is able to do whatever we need at any given moment. So, this week, inside your program, we put these little cards. Pull them out. By the way, how many finished the 40-day Bible reading? Did you? Oh, good. You know, we ought to give them a round of applause. All right? Come on. Great job. How many are just like a few days behind or maybe a little bit like a week behind, but you're, you're getting there, okay? You, we'll, we'll applaud for you too because you're at least making the effort. Okay, so we did that challenge 40 days ago, 42 days ago actually. Today is a new one for you. I want to invite you to pray. And on this prayer card, we're going to put them in the bulletin each week. On the back, it's just kind of a, a it's not so much a how-to, it's just a guide. If, if this is all new to you, then, then this is just a simple way. Pray. Praise, repent, ask, and yield. It's just a really good way to pray. Praise. Just start with recognizing what we talked about today, that you are coming before a God who is able and is loving and good. And that's what praise does. When I take time to remember who it is I'm talking to, that's why Jesus started his prayer with, Our Father who art in heaven. He says, Understand first who it is you're going to be talking to. That's where you start. And then then take a look at the stuff that you need to come clean on with him. That's repentance. Because that's the kind of stuff that will get in the way. You won't feel really good about the relationship if you know there's something between you and him. And so repentance allows you to just say, God, I've messed up. I, I I need your forgiveness again. And once you've gotten the relationship between you and him right once more... Now you're free to ask. So ask. He invites us to ask. And then the last thing, the why, is yield. Now, I said before, we pray, if it be your will. And one of the things Yancey talks about, and I love it, he says, what I've learned to do is put that at the end of my prayer. And it's not so much giving God an out. It's simply saying, God, this is what I'm asking for. This is the need I'm bringing before you. This is what I'm laying in your hands. And I pray, Lord, that you would intervene in this situation. But if you don't, I trust that whatever you do or don't do is going to be the right thing. And that's not giving God an out. That's just simply saying, you know better than I do. And I'm going to trust 
that you're going to do the right thing even if I don't know how to ask for the right thing. That makes sense? So this week, we're just going to concentrate on praise. Um, and each day of the week, there's a little you know, scripture here to go by. And, and if you don't even know where to start, start with this passage that we read, this prayer that we read this morning. And pray, Lord, that you would help me to see how wide and long and deep is your love for me. And then each day of the week, there's a scripture there and just something to remember about the God that we pray to. Okay? So this is for you to take home. And I really encourage you to take part in that. If you want more help, Tuesday mornings, if you're available, we, have a, we just have a prayer gathering. Tuesday morning prayer from 6.30 to 7.30. You're welcome to come and join us there. We pray over the needs that people have brought in um, and, and given us over the weekend. We pray for each of you as you are going about your day. And if you want to join us in that, that's another opportunity to get some practice in all of that. But the last thing we're going to do, and we're going to do it this morning because there may be something going on in your life that you need prayer. And we, we haven't done this in a long, long time. But I really think through this whole series for the next four weeks, we're just going to have prayer counselors up here at the front. And just if you have need for prayer, come. And there will be someone here who will pray with you. So would you bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.